Amen. You glad you're coming to church today? Aren't you glad that, that church does not have to be dead? Aren't you glad that it's not a routine? Aren't you glad that it's just not a regular, regular, regular thing? That it's really a place we gather together where Jesus is literally speaking to us? Isn't it awesome? Yeah. I don't know about, about you, but uh, I, I love the times where I love where the Lord is revealing things to me privately. But man, I, I, I can't deny how much, how great it is when I get to just experience Jesus with you, with everybody, collectively. Wow, thank you, Lance. Man, rocks. I can't do what he does. And you don't even show it off. If I could do that, I'd be like carrying everything like, yo, what's up? But uh, anyway, maybe that's why God says that's why you don't have muscles and you're too lazy to work out. But who knows? Anyway, praise God. Man, it is so good to see you. I want to tell you again, man, if it is your first time, and I got to quit saying man so much, if it is your first time or your first time in a long time, we are so incredibly thankful to have you with us. And don't, we don't regard this time as uh, just a, a routine time and don't regard, re, regard it as flippant. You know what? We value you and we want to be like, we don't want to be like Pharaoh. We want to be like Moses. Uh, Pharaoh never would let the people go. Moses helped set the people free. So, you know, we, we want to walk in that. And uh, praise God. I want to, if I can, just uh, give a little, little heads up and also say, man, how many of y'all excited? Happy Memorial Day. And for our, for our servicemen and our people that have given their lives. So, you know what, we can come together. I was reading um, just in the last couple of weeks of some Christians in some various other countries that's been highly, highly restricted. And, uh, and just a little more freedom and a little more freedom in some areas. Jesus is calling. Um, <laughs> you're so hilarious. Um, but anyway, don't you love when you can blame stuff on your church? But, uh, and it not be necessarily bad. But seriously, one, uh, you totally lost my thought as much as that rat that ran across the floor last week. There wasn't a rat. I've lost it. But to say thank you so much, and we uh, do consider, I'm just going to kind of roll back because I can't remember where I was. And I uh, just say we do consider it very treasure and, uh, that you're here and your time is valuable. And we want to see God do great, incredible things. And let you know that next week we are moving, to, just a reminder, we are moving to services. What that looks like is 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Uh, because of what God is doing through you, we want to make more room. Here's the reality. You look around and you're like, well, there's empty chairs. Yeah, but you know what happens? If today's your first time and you walked in right now, you're like, ah, oh, where's the seat? Where's the seat? Ah, oh, I don't know that person. Oh, and you get all uncomfortable. We want to make room because I believe the church, you know what, is a place I believe everyone, all of us should engage in because it's a place that you can come together to give life to other people. But you know what? Also realize there are people that want to remain anonymous and I want to provide a place where the people that want to remain anonymous can remain anonymous as long as they're, they're drinking the juice of Jesus and to the point where they say, you know what? Jesus is calling me and I'm not going to be anonymous anymore. I'm going to step out. So we want to provide the place for the engaged and for the non-engaged. So we're going to open up two services to provide more room. Some of you are like, well, I don't know about that. Some of you are like the anonymous people and you're like, thank you. So, hey, we're here for you. We believe, you know what, Jesus lo loves every single person. So, next week, 9 o'clock, it'll either be loud or it'll be quiet. Not really sure because there's no children's church during the 9 o'clock. And uh, there is children's church during the 11 o'clock. So, same, same routine, same service, two times. But anyway, let's roll. Let's recap. Today, we are finishing out a series that we had called Greater Than. Greater Than. And the awesome thing about Greater Than, because we've been learning, you know what, to trust Jesus greater. And when we trust him greater we experience him greater and experience his desires his plans his provisions greater that's kind of the whole the whole mentality behind it so let's just quickly if we can let's recap uh briefly and you know week number one we confess you know what our temptation is so often are you with me the temptation is so often to give way more credit to the problem rather than to the Savior. There, there's a temptation to give more credit to my situation than to my Lord, meaning, oh, well, I don't know if I can make it through this. What are we going to do now? Instead of realizing, you know what, Jesus is my security, and Jesus is taking care, and he is faithful in little and in much. Then week number two, we discovered, you know what, there is a path to peace that no hell can disrupt when we begin to sacrifice the control of our lives. 
I know we're going to dig a little bit more into that this week. And week number three, last week, we looked at, you know what, why our next step is so important. And we looked at this man, Gideon, did some radical, audacious things. Uh, his, his, his choice to say, you know what, I'm not going to hide out. I'm not going to be anonymous anymore. And he stepped up to where Jesus was calling him to be. And when he stepped up, he not only stepped up, not only did it bring something for him, but it empowered other people to rise up with courage and with boldness of what God was calling them to do. Do you realize that all of our next step is not a... It's not about us. It's about, for once in church, we can say, you know what? It's about them. You know, sometimes in church, if you're not careful, I always say, shut these conversations down. If you ever get in a circle of people in a church and they're always talking about they, 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 just say, look, we're not talking about they. We're talking about us. Let God, let God deal with they and as we surrender us. And we'll continue to walk out the plans God has for us and trust that, you know what, as we surrender our steps to the Lord for us, then he'll do something great in them. And other than that, we're not going to have a conversation. We're not going to carry the gossip train. We're just going to kill it. It's one of our values, really, anti-gossip to the core. So today, what we are doing is, today we are wrapping up the series where we have followed this radical transformation of a fearful, beat-down man named Gideon and a nation of Israel. And we watch them transform from this radical, transformational beatdown of seven years of being taunted. And they begin finally to, to have a little bit of, you know what, belief in what God can do. And, you know, we're not, covering, we're not going to cover everything by any means. I would encourage covering your own tracks because we're going to skip a whole lot. But in Judges 6, 7, and 8 on your own time. But today, what I hope to do is to compel you to see the real power of God that is available to you. And by doing so, listen carefully on this because things are going to come on the screen, but I hope to bring you to a place in your life that you begin experiencing God's presence and God's power greater than before because you begin to trust Him with less than you ever have. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to bring, the, the desire today is to bring you to a place of really experiencing the plans, the promises, the provisions of God in a way greater than ever before because you, we begin to trust Him less with less than we ever have. And I hope that's just a little bit confusing. So here we go. I want to get us all on the same page real quick. Well, let's just use a little analogy. Have any of you, any of you uh, ever noticed, have any of you ever had an issue, for example, it, notice that, you know what, the more we have, so often the more we fear. The more I have, the more I fear. Let me make an easy example of this. Uh, uh, today in our time, you can watch virtually any single show or movie you want to as long as you have at least internet and $9.99 a month. You can pretty much watch anything you want. If not, you can watch if you just got internet and you just managed to backtrack and find all the little free bees out there that you try to watch a movie and not get a virus. But that's a whole other story. And, but what I'll say, everything is virtually impossible. But are you like me? Do you, what, is, what has come with so much option? It's kind of like the cereal aisle at the, at the store. With so much option in the, in the world on the TV, it's like I can't settle on any one thing because I'm like, I really want, I heard so much about this. Oh, I want to watch that. I've got some downtime. I want to watch that. But then it's like, oh, I saw something else that came up. And, but what if that would be better? And then I'm going to, man, I'm going to waste my time here. When I wear the, did any of y'all ever experience that, that frustration? Okay, the rest of y'all are so busy, you don't stop. So, well, maybe if you go back, let me drop back to my people. Do you remember the rent-a-movie days? The, like, the movie rental store. And I know I lost about a quarter of you right there. You're like, rent? You mean like Redbox? No. I mean like a place that has a roof, air-conditioned employees. And all it had were shelves. And they were dis the shelves were not like this. They were cockeyed like this. And they, they just had endless supply of these big cases with pictures that said what the movie was. And everybody knew when you weren't being really Christian because they had the rated R section. If you were standing in it, you, you were judged. You know, they, they, had, they even had such creative names called Rent a Movie. Maybe that's why they went out of business. If I'd have had a story, I'd have called it Rent Movies. But, you know, they, they, it was creative. And so what happened, but what would happen is still, even then, you had so many choices. You'd see people walk around sometimes 30, 45 minutes. I didn't get to rent as many movies as a kid. So when I got to go and it was $3.99 and you had to pay 50 cents or a dollar if you didn't rewind, uh, I would like, man, spend all, uh, it would take me 30 minutes to pick out one thing because I didn't get that choice a lot. And then there was so much, I was afraid of making the wrong choice or missing out. But let me, let's step back a little bit further. Let me catch people that are, that it's going to freak some of you out. But how many remember the days before you could rent or record any TV show? Y'all remember that? Ain't been that long ago. I remember when VCRs came out. I was like, 
We're going to catch up with y'all in a decade or so. So, so what happened, let's roll back. What happened in the days, for the few people who actually remember what it was like when you couldn't record, you couldn't catch up, who remembers what it was like when your favorite show came on and you missed it? Life went on though, didn't it? I mean, either you watched it or you didn't. There was no like, oh no, it wasn't a lot of fear of like, you missed some great connecting point. It was just like, all right, so I missed it or I enjoyed it. You know what, and as we roll on though, you know I find it's no big deal. Less, here's what I'm saying, less was actually more. There was less option, but less peace. I mean, there was less option, but more peace. Less option, more peace. How about this? How many of you ever called someone? Let me get something everybody's on contact with today. How many of you have ever called somebody, because everybody's got a cell phone, right? And so how many of you have ever called somebody and they didn't answer their phone? I make people mad. But, and what happens when they don't answer their phone? One or two things. Why would they pick up the phone? They always had a phone in their hand when I see them. I know they see me call, like they're our personal secretary or something. You know, to me. Uh, and it's like, whoa. So there's either anger or there's the other side. The other side is this. Oh, no. I hope nothing happened to them. What if they fell down and they can't get to their phone? What if they're sick and they didn't wake up? What if, what, if the, what if they fell off in a swamp and jumped off a bridge? And what if the last living dinosaur came to their house and ate them? Oh, no. And we call 911 to go check on them. It's like panic mode. Didn't y'all go into panic mode when certain people don't answer the phone? Yeah. And so what happened? Do you remember, though, before cell phones? You remember this? And you'd call somebody and they didn't answer? You know what happened? What did we do with it? Well, I guess they're not home. And, so, and, and if it was important enough, we would follow it up with the thought of, well, I'll just call back later. It was simple. Less was more. Less option, less, uh, less, less opportunity equaled actually more peace. There wasn't a fear of personal issues and conflict. There wasn't a, a fear of life-threatening harm had done happen. When we had less, we trusted more. When there was less, we feared less. And the last example is um, learning how to work with this whole baby in the house situation with Cedar and learning what this looks like and trying to make life easy for, for Callie. I can, you can bomb our house, and as long as you don't hit me, I'm sleeping. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can drop a mosquito uh, two streets over, and Callie's like, what was that? You know? So in order to rescue her, and when, when Cedar wakes up and he doesn't need her, I'm like, look, I got him. And so I get him and I, and I go into our living room and, and try to go in there so she can actually sleep and catch up and everything. And I noticed something. I walked in first time I did this. This is night before last. I walked in and our living room is all wide open windows, okay? And so what that means is you can see everything that goes on in our house. But the flip side is I can also see you looking at everything that's going on in our house. <laughs> So the windows are wide open. And I, I'm walking in there, it's like 2 a.m., and, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, before, I've, I've done this on occasion, like say somebody's sick, I'm like, I don't want to catch your sickness. I'll sleep in here on the couch, you know, until you get through this. Um, but it's been rare. It's been a couple occasions. Just slept, no big deal. But now, you know what? We got a German shepherd in the house. I have for a while. And he's a nice German shepherd, but if he don't know who's at the door until it's confirmed that they're okay, he's like, look, I'm going to make sure you know it's not okay for you to come in unless my owner says it's okay. And he, he lives, she lives in the house. And, and so she happened to be in another room at the time that I came in. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make sure she comes in here with me in case somebody comes looking in the window while I'm asleep. <laughs> Never feared it before. But you know what happened? Now that I got more options, there's more fear. Who, who talks the most about freaking out and checking their cell phones more than anybody than you people with the security systems where you're always checking for every little ding that happens at your house? L more, more, more options so often brings more fear. So today, what I'm saying is this. We have greater technology. We have greater resources. We have greater information. We have greater availabilities. And it seems on the average, we worry more. I love when somebody travels to another country and they say, oh, I just like it. It was so simple. You know? They're drinking out, out, of a, out of a dirty hole and, and living on rice. It was just, but they just had it so simple. I'm so jealous. I hear this over and over and over. And they're, they're only jealous because they live there a week. But they're, they're jealous of the simplicity of, of life. 
And so I wonder today, with all the greater technology, greater information, greater availability, greater resources, on the average, do we actually possibly worry more? And yet the spiritual struggle that seems to be woven into our imagination is this idea right here. Here's where it gets complex because in the church we're real good about saying what Jesus can do. And we're real good about saying how faithful he is. And we're real good about, oh man, trust me. And we're real good about worrying too. It's a real weird thing. And so yet the spiritual struggle seems to be woven into our imagination, this idea right here. That God can rescue me with little, but he can't use me until I have more. He can rescue me from the bottom of the pit. And that's true. And he got me when I was at the bottom and I had nothing. And that's true. But then we flip it and say, but you know what? He can't really use me till I know I have more. Till I have more talent, more time, more money, more different resources, more whatever availability. Till I've memorized more scripture. Till I've read my Bible more days in a row. Till you know, whatever it may be. Till I've had more days without fights. Whatever it may be. I, God can rescue me with nothing, but he can use me until I have more so often seems to be the idea. So I fear, so the fear is this, a trusting God with the, uh, the, that builds in into our psyche is this, I fear that I cannot even trust God with the little until I have more to spare. So today I have a, seri I have a serious question for you. What if much doesn't make much easier, but just much more? What if much doesn't make much easier, but just much more? Let me kind of throw this in a few different ways of questioning it. What if the, it, the reality is the fear that we experience with little doesn't go away with much, it only intensifies with much? And what if the faith steps that we trust God with in little are only evidences to establish us to trust when much more when it comes? What if God's way to bring you to trust him with freedom in much is to provide opportunity to find freedom by trusting him with little our man Gideon in Judges chapter 6 he had nothing but fear and yet he trusted God to overcome his fear then he when God when Jesus found him he was hiding with a little bit of provision he had and he was and he discovered you know what he he sacrificed he ended up after the little episode and the argument takes place and then he surrenders he ends up sacrificing the provision that he held on to and he discovered the peace that Jesus was offering the whole time and then he fed, then Gideon makes the next step and he faces the threats of men the whole town comes out and wants to kill him. And yet God rescued him again. And after working through a little fear and working through a faith, we, we arrive and it's finally today we land at the place where it's showtime, where everything is about to pay off. And the situation that, he is gonna, that we are stepping into today, because we're skipping ahead, is there are two nations that have partnered together and two nations, and we don't know how many else, it's just so many people that says, and all the people from the east. East of what? It don't matter. If it's all people from the east, it just it sounds intimidating. So working through all these people of the east and the other people, they're about to attack Israel, whom has lived scared and who has lived beaten down for seven solid years. But this year is different. This year is different for Gideon, for Israel. It's only been a few days since any kind of change in belief happened. But this year is different. You know what? I wonder if today there's not some people in here today that get beat down with that, that mentality ever so often. You know what? Maybe God has rescued you from the bottom. And the bottom is the bottom of whatever you felt like was the bottom, okay? And, and, maybe if, and you see where Jesus has brought you from. You see where he's brought your marriage out of. And you see how he's returned a child home. And, and you see how he's brought and delivered of an addiction. And you see how he's given you a job. And, and you see how he's established a new heart and new peace. But I wonder, sometimes in the back of the mind, you're wondering just like, but what if I go back? But what if it doesn't work out? I just want to tell you, I believe it's the Lord saying to you, he wants to give you a word today and say, you know what, let, it, let the devil lie all he wants, just look back at him and say, you know what, but this year is different. This year is different. <laughs> Judges 7 and verse 1. So Jeroboam, blah, 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 blah. By the way, Kyle, thank you for tearing it up on the media today, man. I can't come back there, dude. I can't do it. I can't do it. You said come here. You can't do that, man. You can't. All of our media people are out. And I was like, Kyle, texted last night. I said, you want to do, you want to click on media in the morning? He's like, sure. Oh, the church is just this. Yes. I don't know what that means, but yes. So here we go. So, uh, Judges 7 is kicking off with verse 1. So Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and his army got up early, and they went as far as the spring of Harab. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near 
the hill of Morah. He and his army, I want to say it again, got up early, and they went as far as the spring of Harad. They went as far as the spring, and the armies of Midian, one of the armies that's coming out that's been wrecking their lives, was camped north of them in the valley. You know, what's, what's so, so awesome to me is, you know, the first people that Israel faced were the ones that had shamed them for the past seven years. Have you ever noticed when you began taking steps of faith that you'll run into the ones that brought so much destruction in your life in the past? You know, it, it's, the, it's the person you used to always lose your temper with that could push your buttons and they could jump all of your nerves and go straight to your last one. Y'all end up in a fist fight in jail, paying court fines and all kinds of stuff. And it's that person. You surrendered your life to Jesus, and it's that person that always brought out your temper that you said, you know what, Jesus is taking my temper. He's giving me peace, and I'm walking with him. The peace pass all understand. And then you run into that person that you got in a fight with last week. You know, it's a, it, we, you get, mate, God has set you free from the addiction. You're like, man, I ain't even got a crave. And then all of a sudden it comes, what, the person that always got high with you, and the person that was always like, come on, just one more. Nobody knows. The person that always seemed to know the weakness. Maybe it's, you know what, maybe in your singleness or marriedness, either way, you decide, you know what, from this point on, I'm living morally pure. Jesus has done a work in my life, and he is transforming. And I'm walking radically new. I have new desires. I'm a new creation in Jesus. And then you run into the person that always had a way of flirting with you in, in such a tempting way that always led you beyond the, the threshold, the, the line of what you said you were going to draw. And there they are again. Isn't it amazing? The ones who always brought shame. So often will be the first ones we face with the new life that we have in Jesus. There's a good point for that, though. It's coming up. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to Gideon, You got too many, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. And 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who are willing to fight. I love, he is fighting, you got to picture this, he is fighting more than three nations with only 32,000 people. That's pretty awesome to, my, to me, to muster up and say, you know what, I don't care what comes against me. I'm strong and mighty. I believe God made me new. I'm, I'm victorious. That's awesome with 32,000 against all your nations and everything. That's pretty heroic. And then God steps in and says, but that's too much. You mean too little? And he does this little process where Gideon just says, hey, if you're scared, you can go home. 22,000 like, all right, see you. You know, and, and they're, they allow after they face the enemy, and they see the enemy, we're not going to cover it today, but it says in the scripture, beyond the scriptures we're going, that they were without number. If you can count 32,000, but you put it without number on the other, I've got to consider that it's significantly more. Have you ever taken the steps of faith in things that you had a little confidence in and the little confidence you had got taken away? It's like, but I just knew that check was coming. That's why I agreed to make that payment and why I was agreed that why I bought that stuff. You know, have you, you know, you have to embrace Gideon's story. Just a couple of days earlier, he was scared. Just a few days earlier, he was scared and he was alone. In the span of a few days, he has taken some radical steps and he is being radically faithful. He has faced his own belittling. He has basically looked in the mirror and said, you know what? Yeah, you were hide, you were scared, you were a chicken, but today Gideon, uh, the Gideon is talking to the Gideon he's seen in the mirror and is like, but today, today is going to be different. I'm going to trust what the Lord has said is true and not the experience that I'm feeling, the temptation of my past. He stood up and then after that, after facing the belittling of him himself, and he stood up to face the whole town and then he faced his father who was bringing some demonic activity into the thing and faced his own father with confrontation he managed to encourage 32,000 people to rise up and he goes to face the problem that has wrecked his life for over seven years and as soon as he is confident to face the battle two-thirds of the people that supported him the most were gone I love, like what Callie was saying a while ago, I just believe the Lord leading. You know what? It doesn't matter who's with us. If the Lord is leading us, then he is leading us. If the Lord is leading you, he is leading you. He doesn't, he doesn't need them. He just needs our, yes, Lord. Like I tell my children all the time, they want to explain something. I say, it's just yes, sir. It's yes, sir. I don't, I don't care why you stabbed your brother with a knife. The answer is don't do it. Don't tell me 15 different reasons why. They never stabbed him with a knife, but... Some of the frustrations I feel, feel like it must have been that serious in the moment. One-third are still willing. I, do you know what happens when two-thirds of the people leave and one-third stay? 
If you, if you remember, I know we're different age breaks, but just kind of go back, especially if you're a man, go back to your boyhood lifestyle. I can guarantee you, it doesn't even describe what the one-third looked like. The one-third were the scroniest, cockiest, do-nothingest, ready to take on anything, and couldn't beat themselves out of a wet paper sack, as the old man would say. You know, it's always, it's always that way. And so you got one-third of the people that stay back, they're still willing. It goes to show, you know what, the peace of God that overcomes the past, it does not take time. It only requires sacrifice and the trust that we currently hold on to in ourselves, the self-trust we hold on to. So number four, verse four, here we're, we're going to rock on through this so we can wrap this up. Oh, we're back in action. Verse four, but the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Man, Lord, come on. Y'all never said that, have you? Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other hand, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 men drank from with their hands. Oh, all right, 300 go home. We can handle that. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths to the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300, I will rescue you. And I will give you victory over the Midianites. Send them all home. So Gideon collected the provisions, the ram's horn, this is significant, of the other warriors. How's everybody carrying around the ram's horn? I'm like, where's the gak? Where's the gun, right? Where's the sword? So Gideon collected all the provisions of the ram horn of the other warriors, and he sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp is in the valley just below them. That night, the Lord said, Get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. i got to put out a warning. Any of y'all know what these are? Little wireless headphones. They were $12.95 at Christmas. You missed a deal if you didn't get them. I bought myself a Christmas present. I'm like, I'm getting it. There we go. Something like that, I guess. We're coming to the part today. Everything's good. It's Gideon's story. Hey, God is with you. God is faithful. He can do my... Uh, and that's true. But I'm just going to tell you, we're coming to the, the point. These things right here, I worry about them. Because I can, I, can be, I can have a chainsaw running and not hear the chainsaw and hear whatever's going on in here really, really good for $12.95. Something very cheap. And, uh, you know, and, but I wonder, I, I kind of got to where I back them off and I want to hear the noise that's going on around because I'm worried that, you know what, what if, because I'm making myself here so good with these little cheap things, I'm going to end up later in life having to pay a whole lot more to have my hearing. You know what I mean? I wonder if we're going to be a society of people that everybody's begging for a hearing aid. And uh, because, man, you got so much equality going on in the ear. And we're coming to the part, what I'm saying is this. I wonder, I, I fear that sometimes something that was so cheap now may cost me so much later. And it's going to cost me so much later because I drowned out the parts that I did not want to hear today. And maybe hearing that the parts that I would hear today would actually would have been okay. It wouldn't have ruined my life later. It, was, it, would, have, it would have continued. I would have been okay to hear the chainsaw a little longer. I would have been okay to hear the tractor run in the background. I would have been okay to, he to hear, you know, Kylie going, Danny, I need help. And be like, I can't hear you. No, I'm kidding. And, you know, I would have been, 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 I would have been okay when I'm in my 60s if I make it that long or what have you. And I'm, I, I've gotten to where I turn the volume down a lot because, you know what, I don't want what's going on, and I don't want to put these on so much that I block out everything, and I allow the cheap to cost me a whole lot later. And what I'm saying is this, we're going to kind of segue a little bit of where we're going today, and there's going to be things tempted, come on, I mean, this is church. Every time, there's always, there's parts we're tempted to say, you know what, I got you, but uh, not today. I'm tuning it out. I got, I, I got, I got, my, I got my encouragement on the other channel. And I just want to say, I never come here to step on toes. We come here to lift hearts. So don't put the headphone, don't put something, don't put a cheap blocker, a cheap defense up for some of the things that we're about to say. And think because somebody is being offensive. It's not, it's not offensive. I'm helping you offend the devil with your life and living in a manner that, that God can live abundantly, powerfully through. 
So here we go. We, we covered up. He's, he's got 300 men. He's got, he's got 300 men. He's going to fight an army, that multiple armies that are without number. And he's showing up. Here he goes. He says, and this is what he tells him. I'm going to recap verse 9, just verse 9. And the Lord told him, that night the Lord said, get up. Go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. This is absolute nuts. 300 men, and the cra- this is the craziest, but the crazy part is 300 men going to battle. 300 men facing what they have always learned to fear. I used to be a guy, can I say this? I used to be a guy that I thought I trusted God's provision. And you can put that in whatever sack you want to, want to put it in. But you know, I used to think that I trusted God's provision. And Callie and I, we'd been married for a few years earlier in our life. We got married in 02. We'd been married a few years. And uh, we, were, we were living the dream, you know. Uh, we were living, just living in a, in a much older single wife than, than us. And, and it was paid for. We were driving our, our vehicles that income tax paid for. And, and we were just kind of making it through and going on day to day. I mean, we were living off of glory. It's probably 19000 a year kind of thing and but it was just us and it was paid for and everything worked out and then but we began having children we had had Josiah and everything was well then I was coming along you know what saying we're gonna look for a bigger place just felt like it was God I'm not gonna say I can't say God said or we said or emotion said but anyway we were looking for a bigger, bigger place so we looked for how we could stretch it to the max because I like to uh, hey Callie's at home more than I am so if I can keep the house nice for her then everything works out and just a little nugget, man. Don't be too hard on your ladies for the way they do the house. They're, they're more than you are. So, um, so what we did, we, we began to stretch ourselves. We began to stretch ourselves. And, and what we did is we, we, we bought something bigger. And we, we did all that we could to wiggle the room. And we got to our whopping 230 some odd dollar, $2 or something like that, a month note. And, I mean, it was just like straight faith. And then we found out something else. When you, when you go bigger, also your utilities go bigger. Either that or you sweat, and my family don't believe in sweat much. I just sweat when the utility bill comes due. So, but the, so it, it gets to this, and, and it's absolutely nuts. And then we're, we're doing this, and all of a sudden, I remember, I remember well how we squeezed every penny, and we lived well, but we lived with nothing left over. And I remember when God laid it on our heart to adopt our first daughter, Camilla. And that began, we did not realize, we, we stepped in, there was a, uh, best I can remember, I may be a little wiggle on this, because it was really overwhelming, that we needed the $250 application fee. And that was going to be bad. And then right behind that, if everything went through, in a week we're going to need 500 and like another week we're going to need 1000 So it was like $715 or $1,750 that we needed quickly. And just through some things back and forth in prayer and believe God said go, so we, we mustered together the 250 and we sent it in, not knowing where the next part was going to come from, because that was wipe the bank out right there. And as we sent it off, and we got approval, and we ended up, the result was just to kind of fast track you through it, as many people know, you know what, there was two years later, and $32,000 later, that went the entire thing debt-free, except for maybe about a two-week stint right at the very beginning, where we had to borrow 1500 to get it going, and that was paid for in about two weeks, and turned around, and we're living off less than 30000 a year. And what I'm saying, what I'm saying is this, and then you know what it, the story continues on. And so what happened? We never had much. But I'm gonna be very. I'm just hitting a pat on the back, but just very, very blunt because God's word is, is very strong. We never failed to give. We never failed to tithe. We never had much, but we never doubted God's faithfulness on His promises in that area. And so God has never failed to do the extraordinary beyond our ability and beyond our imagination. The entire 32000 goes by with only starting off with 250 in the bank. What I'm saying is this. When we trust God with our little, we experience His much. It takes faith to face what we once feared. There's no, no, not being shallow on that. It, is, it was fearful, can I tell you? It was fearful to step out with nothing. And we watched God do that not only that time, but two more times at higher levels, at higher expenses, at higher at-home expenses and uh, expenses to get out the door and make everything happen. But you know what? Whether if it's the money or if it's the past, it's the same, the same situation. Because there was a time also younger in my Christian life where I, I got my nephew together and, and other times some other people randomly here and there. And what we would do is we'd go over to Dimples and Natchez and we would pass out cheeseburgers on Saturday night from about 10 to 12. 
And we'd sit there because if you, if you've, if you come from that life, you remember, and I, I remembered well what happens. You know what? You, you, you get a little intoxication and you get hungry. You get the munchies, as, we, as they call it. And so you know what? What better way than to be right in front of where people are getting lit than to give them a cheeseburger and talk to them about Jesus? And so what we'd do, and what we'd do is we'd set a table up and we'd buy about $22, $24 burgers from McDonald's with no onions because nobody likes those chopped onions. And we'd put them up there. And what we'd do is literally make people beg for us to talk to them about Jesus. Literally, it would go like this. They would look at it and say, what are you doing? We're just sitting at tables behind, I mean, two, two, ta- two chairs behind the table. And people would walk by. It was always awkward when it was the people who were in church on Sunday morning. They'd see me and they'd be like, going to try to go a few cars around and be like, I got you, but I don't let you know it. And so I'm like, Jesus is going to get them too. It's all right. But so what happened, I love being a part of a church like this. So what happened was they, they'd say, somebody, the people that didn't know us though would go like, so what are you doing? Like, how much are they? Like, they're, they're for free. I know you're hungry. Well, yeah, I'm hungry, but, but how much? And nothing, nothing. What's the gimmick? What's the game? There's, there's no gimmick. There's no game. But why would you give us the cheeseburger? We didn't even put onions on. What? Why would you do this for us? It doesn't make sense. You're sitting in a dark spot because the, the people came out and yelled and got mad if you got too close to the door. And so, like, and finally, beg and beg and beg, and finally, just go, look, the last time, and this was my story, the last time I was in this place, I got kicked out, and I was walking home, and I was halfway across the Mississippi River Bridge before somebody picked me up and carried me on for the rest of the night. And I remember the misery of looking for significance and looking for a place to fit in these kind of places. And I remember what it was like to live in the emptiness, and Jesus has come in my life and set me free and made, I understand now, I always thought it was the church, and now I understand there's a relationship with Jesus. And you know what, I, it's, I've discovered, you know, I want to come back and rescue people from the pit that I've landed in. And, but here's, but you know what it took? So I don't know where the local bar's at. If you want to go play that cheeseburger, it's a really great opportunity. But here's my thing. It took courage to face the thing that used to destroy me. It takes courage to take the thing, to face the thing. Honestly, it did. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to go out and be with Jesus and face that cheeseburger. It was fearful, man. It was nuts. Also, know when people get drinking, they get angry quick. You know, I don't know how this is going to go. You know what? When we think, here, here, here's, here's, here's my whole issue. What I'm saying is this. when we trust God with our little, whether it's money, whether it's situations, whether it's the past, whatever, when we trust Him with the little bit that we have, we experience His much. In the instant that we are facing a past that tried, that tried to destroy me, what if the greatest peace of God that you search for is found in the middle of your faithfulness in spite of the fear? What if the greatest peace that you search for is not in a it, but it's in, a, in, in trusting Jesus in spite of the fear in the middle of the problem? We think the problem going away is the answer, right? If I just didn't have to face this, if this would just go away, if they would just move, if I could get away from these people and get away from this town and get away from this, there's nothing for them to do. That's why we always get in trouble. If I could just find a place where there's no jobs around here. and can't, If I could just find, oh, churches are hypocrites. If I could just find a place, a place, a place, a place, a place. But we don't see how much greater than that Jesus is unless we have problems that are near. Can say joy is not the absence of pain. Joy is being a joy is knowing that Jesus delivers in, in spite of, and through the pain. Three hundred men against three nations, crazy, but crazy little equals much when our trust is in our Savior and not the details of our situation. We don't have to know how. We got a why. He took our place. Everything's going to be okay. Gideon divides the men into three groups of a hundred. And here, well, let's wrap up. Here we go. Verse nineteen through twenty. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew their ram's horns and they broke their clay jars. All three groups then blew their horns and broke their jars. And they held the blazing torches in one hand, in their left hand, and the horns in their right hands, and all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Torches in the left hand, horns in the right hand. Torches in, or actually jars, yeah. Torches in the left hand and horns in the right hand. Do any of you see a problem with a fight? Where are your swords, man? Continue on. 
Each man stood his position around the camp, and they watched as the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 men blew the ram's horn, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their own sword. And those who were not killed fled to places as far away as these other places. It says each man, verse 21, says each man stood his position. Each man stood his position. Can I tell you this? You have a position. You may have come here overwhelmed with a condition, but by God, I wanted to let you know, don't forget that by God, you may, the, the world and the choices may have given you a condition, but Jesus Christ, because of what he took for you, he took your position to give his position to us. You, it doesn't matter about what our time, it doesn't matter about our talent, it doesn't matter about our finances. You see, we have a position, and if we will stand faithful in our position, then we will see God do miraculously beyond anything that has to do with our condition. He, you know what? He will reveal that he is able. We come to God, and what we do is we pour out our condition. We pour out our condition. God, if you get rid of my condition, if you get rid of my condition. And he says, you know what? I'm not worried about your condition because I gave you a new position. My son took on your condition so that you could have my son's position. You say you have struggles, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because he who knew no sin became sin. And you think he's going to take all of our sin away and going to pay for all of our condition and, not, and he can defeat death, hell, and the grave and he can't handle a little currently earth condition that's going on when he's done, got the spiritual condition and eternal position set. God's not scared. They ran from some men that were holding horns and torches. They ran from men that had nothing to offer for a real fight. But they brought what they had. They had nothing to offer. But they brought what they had and they trusted God. They ran from men. And the, the enemy ran from men that they had always beat. They ran from men who only brought a little, but they trusted the Lord much. They ran from men. The men that ran had much, but they also trusted themselves much. Men killed themselves with much because they picked a fight with men that only had the Lord with a little. I'm striving, I'm striving today to not to get to the place where someone walks out and goes, man, that was cool, man. That was, that was a word, man. That was awesome. Church was good today. Right? Yeah. I'm striving so hard not to be there. Can I say the desire today, the, the complete desire of where we're landing today is to liberate each and every person from the deception of what you can and cannot do because you trust God when you only learn to trust God when you even only have a little. I may only have a little time. I may only have a little money. I may only have a little faith. I got a lot of worry. I got a lot of exhaustion. I got a lot of fear. And today is the day the Lord is revealing and saying, you know what? Give me your little and watch the supernatural of my much. When we give our little, we watch the supernatural of his much. I got to quit. The thing that you fear begins to flee when your little is with the Lord. Let me ask you this. What is it that you consider is too little in any area of your life? What is it that you consider is too little? Maybe, maybe we can make it very practical. Maybe, you know what, you're out of work and you need work and you know that Jesus made you new, but it also tells you, you know what, your landlord doesn't, doesn't care that you know the Lord. He wants the money. And so, so you're looking for a way to find it. You're like, you know what? I'm really not qualified for anything. I, I can't do anything that would pay the bills. I guess I'm just going to bump from this one to that one to that one to that one. What if you just walked in with a little bit of confidence and say, you know what? I realize I've only got a little, but my little is with the Lord. And I can, I'm going to trust, you know what, that he's going to open up a provision beyond what I'm able to find. And I'm going to walk in door after door after door. I know that I don't have much, but I know that my Lord does. And I know he'll lead me and carry me along the way. Today, I hope you walk out of here experiencing, today, experiencing a greater peace, a greater power, and a greater presence of Jesus because you begin trusting him with less than you ever have before. I hope you begin trusting him with less and less and less. No longer do we buy the lie of saying, you know what? I'm going to be faithful when I have more. 
I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to serve when I got more time. I'm going to give when I got more to give. I'm going to do when I know more to do. I'm going to play, play different things whenever, whenever I have more talent. I'm a, I'm, I, I, when I have more, when I have more, I'm going to be more faithful. You can count on me whenever I get to more. I hope we don't learn by the law thinking I'll be faithful when I have more because you know what? We will never trust him with more unless we begin trusting him with less. This could go a thousand different ways, so I'm just not going to lay a lot of illustrations out there. I just trust the Holy Spirit to do to do, and not get in the way. What, what is the thing that you're constantly convinced? I'm not trying to put stuff. It's not there. Just like, look, Dan, I'm not there yet. Well, welcome to next week. Be ready, you know? What is the thing that you're constantly taunted with that's not enough? You know you look. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Jesus followers here. If you're not a Jesus follower, none of it matters. You're just living on borrowed time. But as a follower of Christ, what is it that the devil continually taunts you with that's too little? It's not enough. And you're constantly believing. You, you've got that little, that little index card that goes to that place in that cabinet. You've got, you got that little storage section where, you know what, one day this is going to be much. My time's going to be more. My kids are going to be grown. My, my job, I'm going to get promoted and promoted and promoted. And, uh, I'm going to get married. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm, going to, I'm not going to rent. I'm going to own. And, 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 and I'm, going to have, I'm going to own my business, not work for somebody else. And, and when I get there, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. What is it that continually holds back the defeated thinking because of thinking one day? I love that Gideon found the power and the presence and the authority and the provision of Jesus in every manner to bring about a restoration in a matter of a few days because he began to sacrifice the fears that he had always held on to. And there were fears that were legitimate. There were fears that were based off the experience that said, you don't stand a chance. And then he began to believe Jesus. But I do little bit of sacrifice and self-trust opened up a powerful door. What is it that God is leading, laying on your heart today? Where is an area, not that you say, when I have more, but today you just say, you know what? God's leading me to trust more. I'm, going, I'm not worried about having more. I'm going to trust more right there in that area. I'm, going to try, I'm not going to put my cheap headphones on and I'm going to suffer something very expensive later. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to pull them off right now. I'm going to say, I'm going to hear. And where can I trust more? can I trust that he's actually going to come home and he's going to wake up and he's going to come back and she's going to come around and there's another one out there and when, when am I going to trust that he's not going to you know what forget about I'm not thinking about it's not always going to be this way because it's okay if I am this way as long as I got the Lord I'm going to make it it's going to be good it's about his abundance not my lack where, where is it God is the Holy Spirit is speaking saying this is the area that they're talking about today surrender the fear and trust me I've been pulling at you for a long time. Surrender it. Take an action on it. I can't forgive because if I do call, text, whatever. You know what? It's over. I forgive you. I'm done. And put put some action to it. I can't. Write a big check. Whatever. I mean, sign up on a dream team. I, can't, I don't have time. Well, you know what? Go on and sacrifice what we don't have. I'm not putting burdens. Don't 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 mislead me. I just never want to not challenge enough. Lord Jesus, I believe your grace is greater than our condition. I believe you do not even impute sin unto those who have found forgiveness in you. You do not even hold an account sin against any one of us. Account of any weakness any failure against any one of us who puts our trust in you. Thank you that you made it abundantly clear that you took our position on a cross. It is not our cross to bear. You never once asked us to bear your cross. You bore your own cross. And it paid for all of us. 
that whosoever would believe on you and trust you as Lord and Savior, risen from the dead and risen inside of us, would be forever set free. We would never lack because you're the Father who has it all in your hand. Scripture says he makes the love John the John the Baptist prophesied said, you know what? He made and I, he was referencing Isaiah said he makes the rough places smooth. He makes the mountains flat so you can walk. He fills a valley in to make a smooth path. He takes the crooked and he makes it straight. Jesus takes all of the conditions and he puts them in a perfect alignment for where he's leading and calling each one of us. Lord, have your way here today. I want to ask for another group of people with heads bowed and eyes closed. You know what? Today is the day that you have for too stinking long held on saying, you know what? When I get better and when I get things right and when I get my life in order and when I have more time, then I'm really going to surrender my life to you. Then I'm going to trust you. I know I got things to get in order right. I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, you have nothing to get in order. Jesus has put it in order. All you've got is a surrender. And say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for paying for my sins and receive me as your child, your son, your daughter today. I'm turning and I'm following you, your word over my path. If that's you today, you've had every debate and you had every argument and you had every one day come to your mind, but today is the day that you know for the very first time because Jesus paid for it, you are that significant that he would go to a stained, shed, rugged cross for you and I. The scripture says he was beaten so much, Isaiah prophesied, that you would not be able to tell if he was a man or a beast. It wasn't just go to a cross, have it over in a couple hours and get over suffering. It was a great torture and he considered all of it. He also, he goes on to say, you know what, for the joy set before him, he endured every bit of it. The joy on the other side was you. Today he's saying, come home. Today he's saying, receive what he has done for you. And today is the day you are saying, for the very first time in a way that I understand it, I may have prayed a prayer before, I may have went through a routine before, but today I, I feel not just a compelling, but the Holy Spirit, my heart is thumping, my, my blood is pumping. I feel there's a sensation going on. There's something inside of me that is not me, that is drawing me. I want to say that is the Holy Spirit. And if that is you today, and you're saying, today I surrender, I give every little bit I have, and I trust his much that he has paid for me. Today I'm giving my life to him in a way that you understand it. We're just going to pray for you from right where you are. I'm not going to lay hands, call you out, do anything else. Just pray the congregation with you because you're a family. If that is you today, I want to ask you just to raise your hand right where you are and say, Danny, that's me. That's me. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus. God bless you. Today I'm giving my life. God bless you. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm laying everything down. I have walked a religious lifestyle for a while. And I kept thinking my little disqualified. But I realized my little is where he shows how faithful he is. I know one day it will be different, but you know what? It's going to be different because I'm realizing the peace of the Lord that passes all understands walking with me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, could we pray for the people today? everybody all over the church because you know what this isn't just a singular event the heaven says you know what over one who repents heaven throws a party why can't cornerstone church have a little uproar about it and let's celebrate and embrace our family that's here today we're going to pray a prayer of faith the words are not what does it it's the, the reflection of your heart it's a surrender in your heart but here we go if you will pray with me and say as a church with the people who raise their hand today lord jesus today i give my life to you I thank you that your position overrides my condition. And I trust you with little, and I trust you with much. Today, take residence in me, I ask, in Jesus' name. And everybody says...